This is the Old Radio Show's podcast. The National Broadcasting Company presents Earl Stanley Gardner's A Life in Your Hand. Where was the gun? Were there two shots? Who ran through the hall? Listen while we place A Life in Your Hand. You never know when you step from the safety of your home when you may witness a violent death and be called upon to testify as to what you saw and heard. Murder is a dark enigma that strikes fear into the heart of man. Strange, baffling, mysterious. But the darkest crime one man can invent, another man can unravel. Such a man is Jonathan Kegg, created by Earl Stanley Gardner, the world's most popular writer of mysteries, creator of Perry Mason, Doug Selby, and other outstanding characters. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jonathan Kegg. Good evening. Have you ever seen an automobile accident and perhaps driven away hurriedly? Someday that accident may be a crime, even resulting in a person's death. I hope then that you will remember what you saw and heard. For it will be your duty as a citizen to relate as a witness your recollection of what took place. You never know. Even now, somewhere in the city, there may be a crime. It's almost six o'clock, Karen. Wally, dear, why couldn't Randall come up here to your apartment to meet me? Honey, you still don't understand, do you? You're the one that's got to impress Randall. (sighs) I never thought even a stepbrother would be such an ogre. He's waiting now, Karen. We'd better be getting over to the cottage. Ready? (sighs) Oh, all right. Do you want to leave the radio on? We interrupt this program to bring you a message from our newsroom. What's that? Eddie Phillips, Eddie convicted Phillips. killer who has been awaiting execution in the county jail, escaped a half hour ago. Escaped? Authorities believe him to be armed. After supper, as the prisoners were going back... Wally, wasn't he the one yes, that you're... he isn't going to hurt us. Come on. It's only a couple of doors down the street to Randall's. Oh, this town will be in an uproar till I catch Phillips. And he is the one your stepbrother convicted, isn't he? Yeah. Phillips killed a cop. Ooh. Randall sure pinned it on him. Oh, Randall. Honey, he is a big wheel. Does everything that goes on in the Marston family have to have his okay? Well, if it doesn't, well... Wally, are you sure you're old enough to know your own mind about wanting to marry me? Honey. But I also know Randall. If he doesn't want me to do something, he... He finds ways. Look here, Wally. Is it going to be like this all your life? Our lives, I mean... We turn in here. Because if it is... Come on. I fell in love with you because... Well, not because you're the brother of assistant prosecutor Randall Marston. Remember that. We go through the apartment house here. Thank you, dear. I've got to start talking up to him, haven't I? That's more like it. Mm, this vestibule is dark. We'll go down through the hall, other side of this door. Now... Wrong key. Why can't we just ring his doorbell? Which one is it? At the bottom. Let's see. Here, I've got it. Randall Marston, rear. That's it. I've got to start talking up to him. I've got to start talking up to him. 
Uh, right on through here to the backyard. Oh, that fool door. Needs a new air brake. <laughs> Must jar the people who live in this first floor apartment. <laughs> I don't know. Well, if I live They're there... They're nice folks. Mr. and Mrs. Ellsworth. Oh, out here. See, there's Randall's cottage. Oh, grass and shrubs in the yard and, and everything. Mm. It used to be a garage till Randall made a house out of it. Put that fence up along the alley. Oh, you have to walk across the lawn when you come in this way. Yes, the other entrance is through the back gate. Yes, Lieutenant, I know. Heard it on the radio. Sounds like he's got company. Hmm. Randall. That's your wife. Come on in, I'm on the phone. Just a minute, Lieutenant. I'll be with you kids in a minute. Now, Lieutenant, what was that? Oh, I don't think so. Sure, I know Phillips is dangerous. I'm the one he spit all those threats at, remember? But you got the whole police force after him, haven't you? He's the one who ought to be scared. Look, Lieutenant, my house is hard to find. You can't even see it from the street. It's on the alley. He wouldn't know where it is. You boys get on your horse and... Wait till midnight, Lieutenant. If you haven't got him by then, then you send me a guard, Okay. All right, Lieutenant. I'll stay home and keep the police radio on. Sure, I've got a gun. Okay, Lieutenant. Goodbye. Getting out of town is what Phillips has got on his mind. Well, Wally? Karen, this is my brother, Randall. How do you do, Karen? How do you do, Randall? Haven't we met before somewhere... I don't think so. Maybe you caught her act at Carlos Club, Randall. Well, he's been talking about you. He's been talking about you, too. Did you know you can do no wrong? Tell me, Karen, how could a girl like you go for my little brother? He's Mr. Marston, too, you know. <laughs> Isn't she terrific, Randall? Wally has nothing to offer you. Randall, have you ever thought of Wally as anyone but your little brother? If he'd ever shown any signs of... <laughs> You think he's going to grow up because he wants to get married, eh? Well, I don't see why not. <laughs> After all. Quiet, Wally. Mm-hmm. I get it now. So your name's Roberts, is it? Roberts, my eye, it's... Wait. Oh, you haven't told... No, I see you haven't. What are you talking about? What's wrong? I might have known... Leave us for a while, Wally. I want to talk to Karen alone. But, Randall... Do you want me to leave, honey? Bye, Wally. Do as Randall says, Wally. All right, Randall. I'm going. But I want you to know one thing. That thumb of yours bearing down on my neck is getting so it hurts. <laughs> Porto, how much to leave Wally alone? You can't buy me off, Randall Marston. Five thousand? I'm not for sale. Ten? Go as high as you like. It won't be any different. Sure, sure. You're in love with Wally. That's right. I am. The Portos love money. They don't care how they get it. 
Did Al put you up to hooking my kid, brother? Listen, I was born a reporter. Why do you think I changed my name? In some circles, it must help not to be known as one. My father was Al's cousin. He was a good man, but nobody would ever believe it with that name. I can see the headlines now. Assistant prosecutor's kid brother takes bride from notorious hoodlum family. Won't that be just dandy when I run for prosecutor? Why... Why, you're not thinking about Wally one bit, only yourself, your precious political career. Anyway, Wally's only your stepbrother. I won't have you marrying Wally. So this is what the big Randall is really like. All you care about is winning an election. I must ask you not to shout. My neighbors, the Ellsworths, may be home. So the wonderful big brother is nothing but a tin god after all. Sometime, Randall Marston, Wally's going to learn how to stand up to you. <laughs> I've known Wally all my life. How's he going to feel when he knows it's only your future you're interested in? Wally will drop you cold when he finds out about your distinguished connection. Don't bother to tell him. I'll tell him myself. <laughs> you haven't got the nerve. You just wait. Special I'll put him wise to what a self-seeking fraud his wonderful stepbrother is. We'll see what... District 30. Van answering description of Eddie Phillips. Seen tabbering with a parked car in 1300 block on North Cary. Patrols in District 30 investigate. Repeat, patrols in District 30 investigate. Life would be a lot simpler for a lot of people if Eddie Phillips found you. Well, if the District 30 patrols get lax on the job, I've got insurance of my own. A gun? And just for luck, I'm taking the safety catch off. I'm getting out of here. So soon? And as soon as the first show is over, I'll see Wally. Believe me, Mr. Big Brother Randall, you haven't heard the last of us yet. Yes, I know it's almost midnight, but Jerry went to the drugstore and I've been trying to get you all day. Uh-huh. Well, well, just so I didn't wake you up. Did you know we have you down for a car to go around and pick up stuff for the rum? Wait. That sounds like somebody throwing crockery in the cottage out back. Oh, maybe a car backfired. Well, anyway, Dottie, what I wanted to ask you is if you would... Oh, darn that back gate anyway. Well... What's that? Oh, I, I am sorry, Daddy. Can, can you do some driving around tomorrow for us? Wait a minute. Oh, that, that must be Jerry out in the vestibule. Excuse me, I better release the door. Well, that's not Jerry. Daddy? It wasn't Jerry at all. <laughs> was some woman going back to the cottage. Now, now about that car, Dottie, we needed to make collections tomorrow for the rummage sale, and I was... That was a shot. Dottie, Dottie, I'll call you in the morning. Something mighty peculiar is going on. Hermeside, this is Officer Casey at Randall Marston. It's too late. He's dead.
Members of the jury, in view of the prompt apprehension of Eddie Phillips shortly after the time of the murder of Randall Marston... Uh, Mr. Coroner. Uh, yes, Mr. Keg. I would like your permission to enter this case as an amicus curiae. But, Mr. Keg, this is a fairly obvious proceeding with uh, fairly obvious conclusions. But, Mr. Coroner, I'm greatly puzzled by some points in the evidence. I'm sure you wouldn't like to see a man convicted of a crime he may not have committed, even though he be guilty of another murder. Well, Mr. King, because of your reputation. All right. Members of the jury, I'd like you to know that an amicus curiae is a friend of the court. He helps us to learn the truth. He represents neither the defendant nor the prosecution. Mr. Keg is quite an expert at cross-examination. Go ahead, Mr. Keg. Thank you, Mr. Coroner. Randall Marston's body was discovered not long after midnight. Officer Casey, the guard due there at 12, found the body. And Eddie Phillips was picked up shortly after, unarmed? That's right. There's no doubt as to the cause of death. None whatsoever, Mr. Keg. A bullet from a thirty-two revolver entered Marston's heart. Thank you, Mr. Coroner. I'd like to call the stepbrother of the dead man, Wally Marston. <laughs> Mr. Marston, when did you last see your brother alive? Uh, about six o'clock. Did he seem upset over Phillips' escape? I heard him tell the police that Eddie Phillips would never be able to find where he lived. Then he wasn't concerned. When Karen and I got there, he was refusing to let the police send a guard. Did he say why he believed Phillips couldn't find him? The cottage is pretty hard to find if you don't know where it is. Isn't his address in the phone book? Yes, but his cottage is on the back of the lot, behind the main apartment building. Enclosed in the backyard? Not entirely. The back wall of the cottage looks out on the alley, like a garage. It was a garage until Randall made it over. Then the real entrance was to the alley? No. Oh? There's a high wooden fence that shuts in the cottage and the yard. Any way to get through it? There's a gate, but we keep it locked. Who had keys to the gate? Randall had one, and... uh... Sis and I and my sister, we keep ours in our apartment. And the tenants in the building? I don't know. I suppose they have. Who are the tenants? Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Ellsworth live on the first floor. And uh, on the second, there's a small business firm. A consulting engineer lives on the top floor. He's away a lot. Was he home the last time you saw Randall? I don't know. I, I didn't notice whose lights were on. Why didn't you live with your brother, Wally? Why, I... He just went on living there in the cottage after he and his wife were divorced. I live with my sister a couple of doors up the street. Where is your sister? She's out of town most of the time. She travels. Were you on good terms with your brother? Why, I... Well, he wasn't going to let me get married. Aren't you over 21? I'm 25, but Randall always had to okay everything I wanted to do. I see. What happened when you last saw your brother alive? When I took Karen there to meet him... Yes? He he took a notion he wanted to talk to Karen alone. So, I left. Why did he want you to leave? I... He just said he wanted to talk to Karen. Well, did you protest? Well, yes. Where did you spend the rest of the evening? I saw Karen after her first show at Carlos, then I, I went home. What time did you get home? About 11.30, maybe a little later. Oh, by the way, Wally... Did Randall have a gun? A gun? Uh, I think so. Yes, he used to go down to the 
police range in practice. Where was it the last time you saw it? It was on uh, the end table, beside his easy chair. Thank you, Mr. Marston. You may step down. I'd like to call Miss Karen Roberts. Miss Roberts, why didn't Randall want his brother to marry you? Because, oh, do I have to tell? We're trying to get at the truth, Miss Roberts. Randall said he he wouldn't have me in the family because he he wanted to run for prosecutor. What difference would having you in the family make? Oh, it, Mr. Keg, my name isn't Roberts. No? It's, it's Reporto. Reporto? You're related to Al Reporto? Only distantly. Please, I can't help it. Of course not. Did Randall make a scene? Well, he offered me money, quite a lot, to get out of Wally's life. And you refused? No, I did, Mr. Keg. He was only thinking of himself. I see. What did he do when you refused? He threatened to tell Wally. I told him not to bother. I'd tell him myself. Did you? Yes, right after my first show at the club. How did Wally take it? He was angry. At you? No. You were rather angry with Randall yourself, weren't you, Miss Roberts? I... Well, who wouldn't be? I told him it was too bad that Eddie Phillips hadn't already found him. Hmm. Tell me, Miss Roberts, did Randall give any indication he was afraid that Phillips might find him? I don't think so, but... After Wally left, he turned on the police radio. Was there a word of Phillips? Something about a man who looked like Phillips. How did Randall act? He got a gun out of his desk and took off the safety catch. What did you do? I got out fast. Were you angry? I was... Went back later? No, I was... When did you go back? Randall was already dead when I got there. He was already dead. How did you get in? I rang and rang and nobody answered. I pounded on the hall door and the... Buzzer finally released it. What time was this? About 12. I, I went back to the cottage and there he was on the floor. Did you see a gun? Well, I didn't see anything but Randall on the floor and a lamp all smashed. Why I, didn't you call the police? I was scared. I ran fast as I could back out to the street. Thank you, Miss Roberts. Miss Corner, I'd like to call the man who discovered the body. Officer Casey. <laughs> Officer Casey... When did you learn that Eddie Phillips was recaptured? While on my way to Marston's house, I heard it from headquarters. They picked Phillips up right in the neighborhood. But you still went on to Marston's? Sure, and I thought I'd relieve his mind if he didn't know. Well, then you knew about the threats Phillips had made after his trial, when Randall Marston convicted him. The whole force knew. You previously testified there was a bullet hole in the screen of one window facing the alley. Hey, that's right, Mr. King. How many shots were fired? Two, sir. One bullet was in his heart... Another one was buried in the wall opposite the alley window. And those shots came from outside the cottage? They, they did, Mr. Keg. The wires at the edge of that hole, they're bent to the inside. Oh, the bullets come from outside, all right. How do you explain two bullets in the room and only one hole in the screen? Well, now, that's not impossible, Mr. Keg. Not likely, maybe, but it could happen. It could? Well, the shots could have come in rapid succession. I see. Any signs of a struggle in the room? Well, no, there was a table lamp knocked over onto the floor. He must have uh, hit against it when he fell. Did you find a gun? Uh, no, Mr. K. Uh, no, we didn't. Did Eddie Phillips have a gun when he was picked up? Uh, no, 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 he didn't. He, he evidently got rid of it, Mr. K. We're still combing the neighborhood looking for it. Thank you, Officer Casey. That's all. <laughs> Mr. Coroner, there's an indication of conflicting evidence here. With your permission, I would like to call another witness. A person not connected with these events in any way. An innocent bystander. 
Call your witness, Mr. Keg. I will subpoena that person, and he or she must testify. Jonathan Keg is about to call another witness, a person who had no connection with the crime. If you should be this witness, could you remember what you have heard? It would be vitally important that you do, for you would hold a life in your hands. Each year, enough timber to build 85,000 five-room homes goes up in smoke. Who starts these tragic forest fires? Not lightning, as too many of us still believe. No, nine out of ten are man-made through thoughtlessness and carelessness. A traveler flips a lighted match from his moving car. A camper leaves his glowing fire unattended. A fisherman tosses his cigarette into the dry grass or leaves. A farmer underestimates the power of the wind in burning brush. A logger isn't careful in using his gasoline power saw. A boy plays with matches. A housewife drops hot ashes near the woods. Yes, these are the people who start our forest fires. How about you? Are you one of them? Be careful. Use common sense and follow the rules when you use fire. Do your part this year to prevent this shameful waste of our American forests. Jonathan Kegg has called as his next witness, Mildred Ellsworth, who lives in the first-floor apartment of the building which separates Randall Marston's cottage from the street. Mr. Kegg is beginning his cross-examination. Mrs. Ellsworth, how far is it from your back windows to the cottage? Oh, about like from here to the, um, well, to the end of the jury box there. About 50 feet? Yes. How do you get to the cottage? Well, there's a hallway from the front vestibule runs through the building from the front door to the back. Is there another entrance? Well, there's a gate in the back fence. Leads to the alley. I've always thought it would be nice to come in there, especially after we put the car away. Not have to walk around the block, you know. Oh, you don't in. use the gate. Oh, no, none of the tenants do except to go out. Why not? Well, it's always locked. Randall Marston wouldn't give us a key. Well, you can go out by the back gate, but can't get in that way. That's right, Mr. Cade. Not without a key. Is the hallway through the building carpeted? Oh, my goodness, no. And the front door makes a lot of noise, too. It needs a new air brake. From your apartment, can you hear plainly what goes on out back? Oh, yes. The back gate, the way it creaks. The hinges need oiling something awful. Can you hear what goes on inside the cottage? Well, not unless people are talking awful loud. Thank you, Mrs. Ellsworth. Now, you were at home the night Randall Marston was killed. Oh, yes. Did you hear anything unusual that evening? Well, I heard the shot, of course. At what time did you hear the shot? A few minutes before midnight. Can you be sure of the time? Well, my husband went out to get some cigarettes, and I remembered a phone call I should make. I apologize to Dottie for calling her so late, but... Did I... you hear the shots before or after talking with, uh, Dottie? Oh, both. And other noises, too. I could hardly keep my mind on what I wanted to tell Dottie. What other noises, Mrs. Ellsworth? Oh, people pounding on the door, running through the hall, and the gate creaking, and all... I see. You heard a shot before you called Dottie. Well, let me see. I was asking Dottie if she could furnish a car... And I heard this crash. The shot? No, 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 the crash. What crash? Well, it sounded like somebody dropped an armload of dishes. And then the noise, like... Well, almost didn't sound like a shot at the time, Mr. Keg. Well, what did it sound like? Well, it was kind of, um... 
Oh, muffled. Like it like it was in a in a box or something. I see. Then you heard the other shot immediately? Oh, no, not right then. First, there was the pounding on the vestibule door. Well, what did you do? Well, I thought my husband had forgotten his key, so I pushed the buzzer that releases the door. You released the hall door? But it wasn't, Jerry. Somebody went back to the cottage, and I went back to the phone. When did you hear the next shot? It was later. How much later? Well, that shot didn't come till she was running back through the hall. She? The woman who'd come in when I buzzed. Oh, Mrs. Ellsworth, how do you know the second sound was a shot? Well, there wasn't any doubt. It was real loud, like right out in the alley. Did you hear anybody else go through the hall just before or after the first shot? No. Could anyone have gone down that hallway without your noticing? Well, I should say not. There isn't any carpet and you can You hear uh, also up... mentioned hearing the gate creak. Oh, those hinges. Oil would stop that. Oh, yes. Now, among the noises you heard while you were at the phone, when did you hear the gate? Oh, well, let me see. Um... Yes, I know. I know. It was a moment or two after the shot that sounded muffled. You're quite sure of it? Oh, that. yes. I'm sure that's when it was. First, you heard a muffled shot. Then the gate. And then that pounding on the door and the woman going through the hall. And a few moments later, she went lickety-split back through the hall again. And then the loud shot. Thank you very much, Mrs. Ellsworth. Your memory of what you heard has helped very materially in solving a murder. Mr. Carner, I would like to recall Mr. Wally Marston to the stand. Mr. Marston, when Karen told you Randall tried to buy her off, you became angry, didn't you? Wouldn't you? If your brother pulled a trick like that? Wally, had you ever realized before that just how much you hated your brother? Hate him? I... When you realized the lengths to which your brother would go to keep you under his thumb. I... I saw that I was going to have to start standing up to so him. So you went straight to him from Carlos Club to have it out with him? I told you I went home. But you went to Randall's cottage first. You can't prove that. How did you know he had his gun out? Well, he had it on He the... got it out of his desk after you left. Mrs. Ellsworth said nobody went through the hall till midnight. You didn't have to go through the hall, Wally. You had a key to the back gate. Well, that doesn't prove anything. I... You entered from the alley, went into the cottage, saw Randall's gun out, grabbed You're it. You're guessing. He tried to get it from you, knocked the lamp over. You can't prove anything. Wally, Eddie Phillips didn't have a gun when the police picked him up right after the murder. It isn't reasonable for a criminal like Phillips, who just escaped from jail, to throw away his gun merely because he'd killed one more man. So what? So, Wally Marston, it was you who shot your stepbrother. I did not. Then the doorbell rang. It might be the police guard, so you ran out the back gate. No, no. Through the window, you saw Karen discover the body. She was at the club. So then you fired a second shot through the window to mislead the police. No, no, I tell you, I didn't. Wally, that's the only way it could have happened. That's the only way to explain what Mrs. Ellsworth heard. That's why the two shots sounded so different. Why, there was only one bullet hole in the screen. No, no, no! <laughs> what did you do with Randall's gun, Wally? Mr. Coroner, I ask that Wally Marston be held until his apartment is searched. I think there you will find Randall Marston's revolver. When did you suspect Wally Marston? When he let it slip that he'd seen his brother's gun lying out. And finally, when Mrs. Ellsworth heard two shots that sounded different. One of them had to be fired inside of the cottage. Mr. Corner, there's nearly always a pattern of sound in these cases that, when properly interpreted, will lead to the truth. We certainly appreciate your help, Mr. Keg, in bringing the real murderer to justice. And I hope we'll see you again soon as amicus curiae. Thank you, Mr. Corner. Whenever I'm needed, I'll be here. Thanks again, and good night. Good night. 
Life in Your Hands is created by Earl Stanley Gardner, with script by Christy Squire, directed by John Cowan. Jonathan Kegg is played by Carlton Cadell, with musical effects by Adele Scott, conducted by Whitey Berquist. Engineering by Bill Knight. This has been a partially transcribed Bell production. And this is George Stone extending a cordial invitation for each of you to be with us again next week when the National Broadcasting Company will again place a life in your hands. Tonight, hear Mystery Adventure on The Chase on NBC. NBC.